Okay, quiet on the set, everybody. Stand by. Roll camera. Speed. Roll sound. Speed. Market. And cue talent. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Art Aldridge, and this week in production, it's Kibbles and Bits and... Kibbles and Bits, Kibbles and Bits, I'm gonna get me some Kibbles and Bits, Kibbles and Bits, Kibbles and Bits, I'm gonna get me some Kibbles and Bits. This week in production is produced by Art Aldrich. The thoughts and opinions expressed here are undoubtedly his own. You can reach Art at thisweekinproduction at gmail.com. This is Don McGee. To book me for voiceovers, please call 908 Four five one six seven six zero. Thanks. Yes, it's been a few weeks since I recorded an episode. In that time, I've been busy shooting and editing, and you know, flying around. And we have the the Labor Day holiday in between, and whatever. I'm here, and uh, I give you an update on a few things. The teleprompter saga continues. When we last spoke, I was having. Uh, a shoot with a pre-production day that was going to bring my favorite camera tech, Mr. John Sheeran, in to uh, assist in the uh, setup and testing of said ICANN high-bright teleprompters with the C70s and the Varicams. And that did not go well. The problem in a nutshell is that I prefer to run uh, airy dovetails on all of my cameras. It just makes balancing and adjustment that much easier. So my C70s have uh, bright tangerine uh, bases that allow for dovetail use. My Varicams actually have uh, airy professional camera accessories on them that let me do um, dovetails. And so the hope was that the 15 mil rod mounts on my uh, camera setups would mount, you know, directly with the teleprompter and everything would be good without having to use the riser. The riser is the fly in the ointment because the riser will not work on the dovetails. The dovetails won't work on the riser. It gets really, really complicated, and and not that I couldn't resolve it that way, but it's not desirable. It would require lots of assembly and disassembly every time I wanted to use the teleprompter. Most times when I'm doing uh, field production and I'm using the teleprompters, I have to do a quick changeover from teleprompter to like Matbox and filter setup, and the teleprompters I have now, which work fine except they're small and they're not high brightness they work on the 15 mil rods and i can literally slide out the 15 mil rods with the prompter put in the mat box and i'm ready to go within a few minutes and that was the desired outcome with the new icans and the uh, varicams and the c70s so we we tested it we tried to figure out a method without, you know, using the riser, it, it got really, really complicated, and and I didn't have the bits that I needed. What what I need in order to use it on the rods is a six and a half inch drop down. If I mount the teleprompter on the 
existing 15 mil rods, it's too high for the camera. The camera's not in the center of the glass. It needs a six and a half inch adjustment. So I need to drop down six and a half inches to, to make that work. And that sounds simple. And, you know, I had to think about it. We had a good long conversation, multiple email threads, just thinking about ways to do it. And I went through many, many scenarios first on paper. I thought about maybe having a custom bracket made something maybe not 3D printed because I didn't think the strength would be there to, to support the teleprompter, but I thought maybe something that was CNC machined or maybe something existed. There were a few um, options that, you know, might have worked. They do make 19 mil rod to 15 mil rod um, adapters that are single piece of uh, metal aluminum or stainless uh, that that might work. My, my Varicams can use either 19 mil studio rods or 15 mil lightweight rods. And uh, the, the C70s can't. So that solution would only be good with the Varicams. The problem with the 19 mil to 15 mil uh, rod adapters is that they're not six and a half inches. So Again, thinking out of the box, just, you know, couldn't really get the bits. I, I was really losing my mind for a bit. And um, I said, well, maybe I can use a 19 mil rod adapter with quarter 20 thread, three eighths threads. Maybe I can, you know, use a um, a rod, a threaded rod, almost like a an iris rod or a 15 mil rod that had, you know, quarter 20 threads on it to drop down the six and a half inches and then have another rod adapter that comes out and steps down. And, and that seemed like it might be the solution. But then I started looking for, you know, these like threaded rods, something that would have either three eighths on both sides or quarter 20 on both sides. And that doesn't really exist. There are some 15 mil rods that have um, threaded inserts that let you join multiple rods together, but it's not quarter 20. It's like a metric thread size and there's not, it's not compatible with any of the rod adapters that I found. So I, I went back and forth a bunch. And then I did find through uh, Granger. So nothing, you know, nothing specifically for uh, film and video, but on Granger, I did find a solid rod that had threads, quarter 20 threads on both ends. And I think they called it a balancing rod, something that would be used maybe with a fan or something that needed, you know, an extension. I was concerned about it being a little heavy. And then uh, my camera tech, John, said, you know, if you have it threaded on one end, you're not going to be able to thread it on the other end without, like, there's no way to do it, especially when you're trying to use two rods on, on the bracket. Like, there's no way to thread both of them unless they're reverse threads. And even then, it, it's, it's, it's not going to work. Like, 
you're going to spin one off and spin one on. And I was like, yes, that's very true. And I'm glad I didn't spend $60, you know, per rod to test this out. So I was really struggling to, to find a solution for this. And then I started looking at uh, another bit of kit that I needed for my trip to Spain for my C70. I needed a way to extend a shotgun mic off the top of the camera, but have it use um, a locking pin and, and some things so it wouldn't twist. And I was looking at these bits from Condor Blue. It's like a magic arm, but it uses ball joints and you can extend them at different lengths and there's extensions and, and different ends that you can get for them. So I got one for the little shotgun mic mount that I need, needed to make. And the quality was good and it, it seemed that could work for my drop down. Long story longer. Uh, about two weeks and $2,000 later, I have brackets using Condor Blue and wooden camera um, pieces that let me basically come out either 15 mil or 19 mil. I figured 19 mil would be stronger. So I like that for the Varicams. But on the C70s, I don't have 19, so I have 15s, but I can use either one. And it's basically four rod adapters, four rod clamps that have, you know, quarter 20 threads, top and bottom. And then a, and then a, a series of uh, magic arms that I can basically tighten on each bracket and then tighten up in the middle with a, um, a clamp. Uh, like a, what they call a magic arm clamp. So two ball joint ends and you can tighten them down and I can create basically a little four point cage that will hold the rods, drop the thing down six and a half inches. And, you know, I'm in business in theory and I I've gotten all the pieces and it seems like it'll work. I haven't tested it yet, but I am flying to my next gig this weekend in Detroit and the Interatron setup is going to play, going to play on the C70s. So we're going to test it with the 15 mil rod setup, but the same clamp bracket mechanism. So I don't know how much money I'm into this hit uh, already, but it's, it's not cheap. And uh, I would not recommend this to anyone without a strong need because it uh, just didn't work out the way I had hoped. But as I was saying, I, I am heavy into uh, data management, editing, and just logistics of getting ready for Spain. I got my Carnet that came after a little bit of back and forth. Very simple process. I do recommend Boomerang Carnets. They, they made it simple. Cost me about $500. And uh, I have all my gear listed. I have to get it uh, stamped by Customs and Border Patrol before I leave the U.S. I get it stamped when I get to Spain. I get it stamped on the way out and then back when I come into the U.S. And in theory, that should let me pass without raising an eyebrow. So that will be a, a good uh, test and hopefully uneventful story. I'll share details on how that goes in another podcast. But as I've been editing 
and working in Final Cut Pro on these uh, edits that I do for the golf events, and they're all you know piling up. I saw an announcement from Future Media Concepts that the Final Cut Pro Summit is back in person in Cupertino. And it had been, I don't know if it was a year or two, hadn't been held in person. They did a virtual thing last year, which I don't, I don't know. I didn't even look at it. I don't know how well it was received. But I see that they've been announcing it for November 6, 7, and 8. It will include a day on November 6th at the Apple campus. I'm assuming that'll be with the Final Cut Pro team. There might be a Final Cut Pro-related announcement uh, around that time. But it got me thinking about Final Cut and how things have progressed, especially since the Apple Silicon transition. And really, uh, and I can go back and look at older episodes where I've talked about Final Cut and where we are, where we need to be, what I need to be. Really, when I come down to it, I still have two pain points, and they have not been resolved. One pain point is the speed in which I can export and transcode uh, edits into deliverable formats like H.264. You know, when I need to export 32, 36, 40 uh, files, I feel like I could be doing faster encoding with a system that was optimized more for the processors. When I'm looking at my CPU usage, when I'm exporting, I don't see it really taxing the CPUs at full extent that they could. They're only using maybe 30% utilization. I want to see them streaming 100% each. They're definitely not doing that. I feel like that's software optimization. Final Cut, compressor, not really optimized for task. So I would love to have a way to make that process faster. And if you go back a year, two years, three years, I think you'd find my complaint still the same after all this time. You can't imagine Apple wouldn't be able to address this issue, though I'm not sure. Maybe they don't deem it a priority, but I think if you would ask most editors, the faster you can transcode in and out of the system, uh, the more people are going to be happy with that, uh, that software tool. So that's still a big pain point for me. The other big pain point, which is still, again, years and years in, in, uh, in requesting this improvement, is the audio waveforms. I'm still waiting on audio waveforms to draw, especially when I'm mixing. I'm taking clips. I'm, I'm making compound clips. I'm using audio lanes. That, that audio waveform still takes time. And I wish that it was fast. Again, I don't know what's involved in making that work. It just seems like with this technology that Apple's using with their processors and their AI and their GPUs, like, can't we make this better? Can't we make this uh, instantaneous? It just seems like, I don't know, it seems like it can be addressed and maybe it's not a priority. Maybe these are not things that anyone else 
feels like are pain points. They are to me. I, I have talked to other editors. It seems like other editors also have these pain points, but maybe Apple is not seeing it that way. It's it's hard to say. But I would love those issues to be addressed in a new version of Final Cut Pro. I mean, if Apple said, look, you can stack up three, four, five Mac minis in a cluster and really make it rip through these tasks, I would buy it. I mean, this has always been sort of a feature of compressor distributive rendering. It's never worked up to its potential, I feel, especially for the cost and the complexity that was involved. Even when I would directly ask Apple about how to make this work, it was a mixed response. Oh, we don't know. Or, oh, you have to do this. But, you know, we're really not certain. And it's just, it just, it, it's not a great experience. And if Apple could improve these things, it would make me very happy. And we'll just leave it at that. I would love to go to the Final Cut Summit this year. I will not be able to make it. It conflicts with a job, though I will be in San Francisco, ironically. And I could, in theory, maybe delay my departure by a day to stay for the, uh, the summit track. But I think the thing that most interests me in that event is the Apple campus meeting with the Final Cut team. And that, unfortunately, conflicts with my shoot day. So doesn't seem that that is going to line up for me this year, though I, I obviously will follow along with the news, but not I don't think I'm going to make it out there. But if you've never been to a Final Cut Summit and you're a Final Cut editor, I, I'd say it's it's worthwhile. I, you meet a lot of people. They have some pretty good instructors. Steve Martin from Ripple Training, Mark Spencer, Ripple Training. Those two guys are great. Uh, there's a whole bunch of other speakers that will be there. I think it's worth it uh, for the price. They're, they seem like they're focused on certification this year, which doesn't interest me. I'm not interested in having any Final Cut certifications. It doesn't do much for me at this point. So that's where things are at, kibbles and bits. Uh, I have a busy, busy fall, but... Uh, one shoot this weekend, and then I'm off to Spain for, you know, 12 days. That's going to be a Megilla. I'll talk about the prep and pack for that job on the next Quip podcast. For now, I'm Art Aldridge, and I'll see you next time.